Expeditions, uh, as we're just getting our getting all of our ducks in a row for there to be a Oro Expeditions 18. Eight. Right. So yep. 18 um, is going to happen, believe it or not. It's it might be the middle of August, but 
World Expeditions 18. I've had the faith all year, and we got all the personal stuff pretty much taken care of. We got the uh, big buggy in the driveway. For anybody who may not understand what the big buggy is, let me explain. We took off on a little trip the other day, decided we wanted to buy us a motorhome because we're tired of sleeping in a tent on an airbed. And we actually had it pretty nice in 15 because we had that airbed in a 12 by... 10 by 12, 10 10, by 20. uh, 8 by by 12 trailer. Oh, the trailer, yeah. What we called the box. So we decided after spending another round in the tent, which it's a very nice tent, don't get me wrong. It's a really (laughs) nice cabin tent, sleeps about 12 people. If you want to stretch them across end to end all the way all the way and, through and it it's a very nice tent that we paid a lot of money for <laughs> For two people it's like a castle you yeah. can even be arguing with each other and find room to get away from each other without going out in the rain that kind of tent <laughs> well i mean we had uh our queen size tall air bed yeah the big one 18 inch two dog beds all of our gear Except for the gold mining equipment, I mean all the clothes and coats and things like that. So, and we still had room. <laughs> oh, we had enough room where we was able to. The one day we had a little bit of rain in Oregon for during the uh, solar eclipse event that we went to on the Blue Bucket for Lost Dutchman Mining Association. Um, it was uh, kind of rainy there one day and. We were able to sit in the tent with our lawn chairs and everything and, you know, without having to worry about huddling in the car like we used to do when it rained. (laughs) We've seen the full gamut here, folks, on the World Expeditions. It started way back when, and I believe the year was 2009, and I came home one night from driving a truck, which is what I did for 30 years, and turned on the TV to relax for the weekend no, actually, it was at the end of the weekend because it was Sunday night, I believe, was when Tom was on at the time. This was back in, uh, like I say, uh, 2007, 9, 2009. Nine. And I come in, sit down watching TV, and there's this guy on there called named Tom Massey. He's got this show on there called uh, Gold Beaver. And I got to see my first Gold Fever show, and it turned out it was getting close to the end of the last season that he was going to be on. So I pretty much missed it on the TV part. But lucky for me, there's this little thing called the Internet. Yeah. So fell in love with it. It was it was like bringing back an old love from my teenage years because I first learned how to love panning for gold and finding gold when I was 14. That's another story in another place if you go check out the website. But um, jumping forward from 09, it was 2013, February, to be straight, that the 30-year trucking career came to an end abruptly thanks to a government program known as CSA, Compliance, Safety, and Accountability. Another little subject we'll talk about here just in a little while. So... But it's, I'm, I'm going to bring it all together so you see how it all ties together, what, what we're talking about with oil expeditions and what we're about to get into on the after dark side. 
<laughs> he told you that story to tell you this story. <laughs> and a few more. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. But now, uh, 2013, February, was the end of trucking. April 13 was the beginning, the official beginning of Oro Expeditions. Because while I was still trucking in 2012, there was a little thing on YouTube called Chasing the Silver Eagle. Anybody that had the chance to check that out, if you go over, I believe it's on KDCL Media on YouTube. You can still see it, right? Yeah. And uh, the old videos from 2012 where I was trucking during the week and gold mining on different uh, GPAA properties, prospecting and getting good gold all, all up and down the East Coast with my guide that I got when I became a member. I was able to combine the two, and it worked out really good. I mean, it was it was really fun to do that. And I was looking forward to quite a few years of trucking and gold mining. But then along came the government, and they said, well, wait a minute. We got this little system that tracks you kind of like the same as somebody gets tracked for your insurance company on your car license. You know, when you get a speeding ticket or some other kind of ticket where you have to sign and show up for court, and you get points on your license for it. Mm-hmm. And it usually raises your insurance. Yeah. And that's like, oh, my God, they raised my insurance, right? Well, that ain't nothing compared to CSA. Exact same type of point system with one exception. It doesn't just raise your insurance. Matter of fact, it don't have anything to do with your insurance on a personal basis. But what it does do is when you get three CSA points, you're out of a job driving a truck with a commercial driver's license for six months. And now, by the time you come back, you have to say. be recertified, which means you're paying some goof $3,000 for six to eight weeks to teach you how to drive a truck. On a refresher course. Who was in diapers and whenever. Probably go on a ride with them down the road for a week or two. And yeah, right. Somebody was in diapers or maybe even just a twinkle in his daddy's eye or her eye whenever I was first trucking in 83. So it's ridiculous what, what's, what's happened. And, but what's sad to say is the source isn't as ridiculous as it should be, which is the government. Once again, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we're uh, getting 10 minutes into the show here and we haven't even heard from the journal on the diary of the 49er. And we got to get that in because that's like a really good part of the show. And I think tonight we actually remember what night, what day we're on. <laughs> Maybe. Which is unusual if you've been listening to some of the other archives. Well, when we took our trip to pick up or to look for an RV, we didn't do a show, so we kind of lost track of where we were. <laughs> right. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, we should be right about February 20th. Because if I back up here and look at February 2nd was the last one. Pretty sure. So, at the chance I might repeat myself, let's have at it. Diary of a 49er, Part 9. February 20th, 1850, little gold mining going on on French Bar. February 20th, our first day's labor has given to each of us 45 cents. We have worked in a loose Talco slate on the edges of the stream. The gold is here 
coarser than in the rivers. February 21st. Have today made $1 each. Finding a place which seemed favorable lying upon the bed of the stream, we began to dig down and throw off the topsoil. We were soon interrupted by some persons who said we could not work there as they had claimed it. We inquired why they had not left their pick or spade there according to the custom. They replied that all the miners there were bound to stand by each other in maintaining their claims, which were known to each other. We find that most of the ground is held in this way without being marked off or designated. The present alkalade is, it is said, holds 30 of these claims. February 22nd, two of the company went over to the Stanislaus to prospect. In the place of gold, they brought back with them a bouquet of wild flowers, which would have graced the center table of any parlor. Our day's labor gave us a dollar twelve each. We have been ejected from two claims today after working some time upon them. It seems that comparatively a few persons have undertaken to monopolize most of the gold soil in the gulch. They have driven off a large number of French miners from what is called French Bar, and have likewise taken possessions of that also. February 23rd. We have today divided our forces. Two of us commenced sinking a hole on French Bar, while the others went to a small stream running through an extent of tableland on top of the mountain. Those on the bar below, of course, labored without present remuneration, as a deep excavation must be made requiring our united efforts for a week or ten days. Those on the hill have made enough to divide $5.10 to each of us. Wow. A fortune. <laughs> yeah, considering most days are less than a dollar. February 25th, those from the mountains have brought home $8.60 each. We have been delayed in our work in the valley by the caving in of dirt around, upon us, owning to the rain. At last, we were compelled to abandon it for the present. During the last night, we had a violent snowstorm which broke down our tents over our heads. And I know exactly what they're talking about, and it even happened in the same place. <laughs> Stanislaus. <laughs> yeah, a foot of snow in six hours. Try that one on if you're sleeping in the tent. Anywho, February 26th. We commenced working upon another claim, but were again driven from it. Appealed to the alcohol who decided against us, but at the same time pointed to another place farther from the stream where he advised us to work. We had spent two hours in digging here when two miners laid claim to the ground and soon brought the alcohol who said it was a misunderstanding and said that he intended to give us another place upon which he then stood. There was then no doubt, and we worked all afternoon upon that place. From the mountain, we received $8.87 each. To our joy, we have found a plant which makes an excellent salad. It grows abund abundantly about us. We have lived so long without vegetable that vegetables that this is a luxury. February 27th. It has been a cold day with occasional dashes of snow. On reaching our claim in the valley, we found a miner in possession. On appealing to the alcade, who had so decidedly given us the place just yesterday, to our surprise, he again decided against us. Those upon the mountain made $6.62 to each of us. We all abandoned the valley, only retaining our claim upon the French bar, where we left our crowbar as our legal representative. 
that was back when uh, the system left over from when Spain and Mexico owned California. The alcaldes were the ones that were the judge, the sheriff. Everything all in one, yeah. Yeah. February 28th, we had barely reached a place of labor this morning upon the mountain when it came on to rain so violently as to drive us home. We have spent the day in our tent, reading, writing, cooking, and sleeping. Been there before, too. Jump up to March 4th, Monday evening. We have been kept from work for several days by the rain. Improved the time and prospecting upon the Stanislaus. Heard of a ravine near the Green Springs where much gold has been found. Guess where the Green Springs are? <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. In the fall, when I was at Mr. Islip's, I met an eccentric man named Texas Jack. He told me that early in the spring previous, while passing to the Stanislaus Mines by a nearer path across the mountains, he had prospected in a ravine and from one pan full of dirt had taken nearly a pound of gold. I took the direction to the place, but having learned not to be led by such wonderful stories, I have never visited the spot. Some miners a few weeks since happened upon this very place, and before their secret was discovered, had made $8,000. Several others have done well there also. March 5th, we have all worked together upon the mountain today. During the forenoon, the vein ran out and was nowhere to be found again. We made many trials, but without success. $2.06 each for the day. March 6th, we worked in a ravine where a few rich deposits had been found. One of our number, while working with his knife in a few moments, took out three gold nuggets, which together were worth $21.70. But during the whole of the day, the others of the company did not make even 25 The fields and the mountainsides began to be clothed with the most beautiful and variegated flowers. I had heard and read much of the flowers of California, and they were far surpassed my highest anticipations. They spring up at the close of the rainy season, thrive amid frost and snow, live a short life of exceeding beauty, and die soon, cut down by the heat of the dry season. March 7th, we were driven by the rain this afternoon after having made $1.25. March 16th, Saturday, since my last date, more than a week since, we have dug to the bottom of our claim, though it caved in several times upon us. We were so deep in the ground that we could not throw out the dirt and were compelled to throw it up onto a platform and then the platform to the out of the hole. After digging down 18 feet this way, we were troubled with water, which came in upon us so fast as to require one to be kept boiling, bailing most of the time. <laughs> yeah, but they were boiling too. <laughs> you imagine being in a hole 18 feet deep with water coming in? <laughs> No. And no ladder? No. <laughs> and some crazy guy, people, boy. Where were we here? In that deep hole, yeah, 18 feet, troubled with the water. At last, we reached the bottom, washed the gold dirt carefully, and as a result of the week's labor for four of us, we shared the sum of $1.87. We have had se- severe and continued rain Everything is completely drenched. Our clothes, our blankets, our provisions are all wet and moldy. Our fire has been extinguished for days. The water stands in puddles under the pine boughs beneath our blankets. 
we were compelled to cut small drains from the middle of the tent to the large drain which surrounds it and throw away the wet bows which Jack called our feathers. Then he kindled a large fire in the tent to dry it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Remember, they had canvas tents. Yeah. <laughs> Not nylon. <laughs> the playful stream which lately ran by us so harmless now roars and rages and is yet rising. The miners are pitching their tents farther up the hill as we speak. Let's <laughs> replay was... that. Da dun da music. <laughs> Yeah. Tune in next week when you hear Charlie say, "Same bad time, same bad time, same bad channel." That's it. If anybody's old enough to remember watching, watching Batman. (laughs) We need that sound effect because I'm not very good at doing it anymore. No, you're not. You've slowed down in your daughterage. Slowed down. I just heard that outside. Not as cool as that one. Well, that one shook the house pretty good. But hey, it's 20 after the top of the hour. It means we've been at this exactly 20 minutes, and I believe it's your turn. My turn. Well, one of the other things that we're going to get into here this evening, uh, we're going to talk a little bit, do a little crypto news since we haven't done a crypto show in three, four weeks, whatever it is. Well, you might want to tell everybody what gold's up to right now because, you know, it is it is up to something <laughs> about all the time. Well, in the summertime, though, it's usually down to something. It doesn't go back up until winter. Yeah, no, let's see here. Let me look. Go ahead, I'm looking. You're looking? Well, I thought you already had it. Dang. Gold is No, I was looking at the crypto price. Gold twelve oh nine nineteen down to dollar ninety one since the open in Asia. About an hour and a half ago. Silver's sitting at fifteen twenty eight. It's actually up a little bit. Well, it's way down, but yeah, up would be nice on silver. It should be about fifty bucks an ounce. But and if you listen to the commercials on television, you would think that it would be with all the uses for silver, and there's supposedly a big old shortage of it. But that's another story. <laughs> but uh, on back to uh, a little bit of news about crypto, especially because. Uh, ever since we have started paying attention to crypto here in the last um, almost a year, we uh, one of the people that's heavily involved in it and has a lot of uh, belief in the system, so to speak, is uh, an old favorite as uh, a favorite author of ours from back in the nineties. You're rattling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're not. Um, Is (laughs) Robert Kiyosawa who wrote Uh, Kiyosaki? Oh, Kiyosaki, Kiyosawa. Um, Kiyosaki. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kiyosawa is somebody. I remember that because I don't like Saki. 
believe it or not. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Kiyosaki. <laughs> anyway, he wrote uh, – well, he's written several books, but uh, the one that really brought him to the forefront was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it's an excellent read for anybody. I mean, I don't care. Especially young, especially young people. Yes, especially for young people because it really helps get your finances in order, especially if you're coming out of college with hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans that you're going to spend the rest of your life paying off. But anyway. Now off, right? No. We're having we're having problems with our mute button across the room. Uh, a little ghost in the machine. Um, anyway, back to Robert Kiyosaki. Um, he is bullish on Bitcoin. He's uh, a big enthusiast of cryptocurrency, and he says the U.S. dollar is a scam. And a lot of people have gotten into cryptocurrency because they. Um, want to get away from the fiat currencies of their own countries. And this is an article on uh, CCN.com, which is an excellent source of news on um, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. The dollar is toast. Speaking with Kim Hughes on the same crypto podcast in which he excoriated the dollar Kiyosaki also predicted an imminent stock market crash. In his words, the dollar is a scam. I think the dollar is toast because gold and silver and cyber currency is going to take it out. The U.S. dollar is gone. In the year 2000, there was one currency, the U.S. dollar. It was called the reserve currency of the world, and then came Bitcoin or cyber currency. Discussing his new book, Fake, Fake Money, Fake Teacher, Fake Assets, Kiyosaki revealed that he wrote about how gold, Bitcoin, and other cryptocurrencies are a better hedge against an impending collapse of the financial market. Now, I don't know about a pending collapse. They've been uh, predicting this pending collapse for a long time. He says, in my new book, I talk about the three types of money today, God's money, which is gold and silver, Government's money, which is fiat currency, which is done by government decree, which is the dollar. And then there's the people's money, which is cryptocurrency on the blockchain technology. Gold is a hedge, and I'm expecting a collapse on the system, And which is why you are into cyber currencies now, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Going further, he expressed a series of typically controversial financial Opinions, including the description of fiat currency savers as losers and calling for a return to the gold standard to the dollar following its 1971 removal by President Richard Nixon. Kiyosaki, some people were saying he's a doomsday preacher. Kiyosaki is no stranger to such opinions, having previously stated in an interview that another crash that will be the biggest of all is on its way following the crashes of 2000 and 2008. He is not the only prominent public figure to hold similar opinions about fiat currency in comparison to Bitcoin and cryptos. CCN reported in 2017 that Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak 
asserted that Bitcoin is superior to the U.S. dollar, which he referred to as kind of phony. Bill Gates and former Goldman Sachs manager Nami Prinz have also predicted a financial market crash, though they have not publicly expressed a preference for Bitcoin or cryptos. Gates in particular has been bearish on Bitcoin in recent interviews. In April, when asked if the U.S. will have another financial crisis like that of 2008, Gates responded in the affirmative, describing it as a certainty despite being difficult to time. So maybe that an article like that will uh, help our slumping Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies uh, because uh, we saw a big drop between Friday and today, and it's kind of been staggering its way back up. Yeah, it's um, staggering is a good word, I guess. Zigzag, black line. Kind of like a drunken monkey. Pissing around. That's <laughs> another one I use. But, yeah, it's it's okay because that also means it's not going to the floor like the people that are shorting it would like for it to do. Yeah. And I have a feeling that short people that are doing the shorting have the most money, which we got to get that turned around. That's why we see more long red candles as opposed to long green candles. Yes. When the big stuff happens on the chart where somebody with a lot of money is doing something all of a sudden, there's more red right now than green. And that's why we oh, aren't yeah. really losing any ground, though. That's what's amazing. It, it it'll lose. Um, you well, know, right now we're sitting at sixty three thirty. Okay, and I've watched it go today. Well, let's see what's the high and the low. If we go over here to the buy well, I, I know one of the headlines here is forty three billion with a B wiped out of crypto in five days as Bitcoin price rebounds. But see, that's the thing. People use that. That's not a good way to look at it. What what do you okay? If something was lost, it means it went somewhere, right? No. Where did the lost Bitcoin go? Well, if you it doesn't me. exist anymore. Yeah. Well, what I was <laughs> what I was going to say that unlock unlike fiat currencies where there's check marks on a ledger with. Yeah, and if you got a buttload of it to get rid of, you better have a really hot fire. And with crypt <laughs> but with crypto being decentralized, you can't really make that ledger. Well, you do. It's called a blockchain. Well, yeah, but it's it's not and like people yeah. are so confused about the blockchain, but here's a way to understand it. You can use the information that you have uh gathered together by using the blockchain over the course of the year. That information, like your trades and your where you entered into, you know, and changed money over from one currency to another, or one coin to another, whatever, that's all on record on the blockchain. You can you can get it and use it on your taxes, which is the number one reason the SEC will never win. It's legal tax wise. Yeah. If people take the time to Pay their taxes. You know, that's something that's uh, 
part of it, we're getting going to creep over here a little bit towards the after dark thing again. But, you know, you go all the way back to when a bunch of people got on a, I believe it was three ships and said, screw this place and sailed away into the west sun, western sunset mm-hmm. and ended up in a wild, crazy place called the United States of America. Yeah. What was the number one reason they did that? Starts with a T, ends with an X. Three letters. <laughs> Tax. Tax. They were being taxed to death on purpose by the crown. And they said, we're not going to do this anymore. There's no place we can go here where you won't fool with us or mess with us. We can't go to another country in Europe because they have even higher taxes than you do. So we're going to get on these boats and we're going to go find us someplace new to live where there ain't no taxes. I.E. United States of America. Now, I'd like to understand, I've tried to understand, trust me, I really have, since uh, about 1991, how we went from that, somewhere about the 1700s, and then there was this party in Boston where they threw a bunch of tea in the harbor because they wasn't going to pay the taxes on that either. Then you jump ahead to today. And we're the, one of the most taxed nations, once again, on the planet. To me, it was messed up. Yeah, while well, we're swiftly catching up with all the other taxes that all the other countries pay. But my attitude towards it is explained exactly with this little tune we're going to play. Because it's break time. It's bottom of the hour. Just a little past. And when we come back, we're going to be talking more about gold, of course, and the metals and Bitcoin, maybe a little more and so on. And then towards the top of the hour, got a big surprise. So hang tight. And Mr. Cash has a few things to say. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise right out of the ground Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look way down the river And what do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave Can hold my body down Well look down yonder Gabriel Put your feet on the land and see But Gabriel don't you Blow your trumpet Till you hear from me There ain't no grave Can hold my body down Ain't no grave can hold my body down Ain't 
meet me, Jesus, meet me. Meet me in the middle of the air. And if these wings don't fail me, I will meet you anywhere. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, meet me, mother and father. Meet me down the river road. And mama, you know that I'll be there when I check in, my Lord. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. And this is Oro Expeditions After Dark. I'm your host, Paula Cass, and my co-host, Oro Cass. I'm over here, and I just, Leroy just came in the door and handed me a piece of paper. has a update from American Miners Rights Association up, at, uh, up on the south fork of the Clearwater. We got anybody paying attention to the archives. If you haven't, you can go back and check out other shows. We've talked about this. We've covered it every stage of the game so far. And now it seems that precedent has been set in Idaho. Update from the South Fork of the Clearwater. Last night, two of the AMRA dredgers were cited for dredging without a POO, plan of operations, by the Forest Service. Now, we will be able to present this case along with the mountain of evidence we have obtained, including video, affidavits, documents, testimony, and case law on this illegal plan to require these permits they say are required. The court case will be in a few months, and we will be keep you abreast of these cases as they move forward. We are meeting again with the California Water Board again shortly over the dredging in 2019, and that will be one of our primary focuses once we leave here. We're in the process of reclamation on every one of the dredge holes and have returned the rivers to its near original condition prior to us arriving. It has been unanimously, unanimous from all the people we have talked to about our reclamation. They all believe the reclamation is awesome, fantastic, and amazing. It has been an experience, that's for sure, and we learned more than we thought possible about the level of the United States Forest Service is willing to go to continue to enforce what we are confident is an illegal scheme to furtherly restrict and interfere with the small-scale suction dredgers up here. We have several days left, and we are going to make the most of them. August 11, 2018, and that is Shannon Poe and crew from the dredging crew on the South Fork of the Clearwater in Idaho from American Miners Rights Association. It's a major story going on. If you don't have any information or clue what I'm talking about right now, you definitely want to check it out. Go over to uh, AmericanMiningRights.com forward slash update on the SF Clearwater, and you'll be able to see the whole thing from the very first problem they had right through today. And the fact that there were citations issued, it's just like what happened in the Klam- on the Klamath in 15. That was the first step. They, op- they issued citations. 
The next step was they snuck around and stole miners' equipment off of the river. The next step after that was serving a John Doe warrant on someone who wasn't even involved in the dredging. But it had been said that his garage had dredging equipment in it. These people went in this man's garage with a John Doe warrant, meaning it was the wrong address on it, and it was. And they stripped his garage pretty much clean of anything that could be used for digging. And we're talking about some really crazy shit here. We're talking about all of his tools, screwdrivers, hammers, his wife's nail files. I mean, they went totally berserk. And it wasn't even him that was dredging. They got a word that he was hiding dredges for the people that were dredging. And then they found out that, uh, wait a minute, that's the dredges where we were stealing the equipment from and saying we're confiscating the suck hoses. Yeah. Well, the dredgers at that particular time, under orders of a certain leader, said, okay, you took that suck hose, we'll go get another suck hose, and we'll see you in the morning. And that's the way it continued on the Klamath. Now, you see what stage they're in in Idaho right now. Yeah. And if you remember right, it wasn't too awful long ago, they were chirping the same crap that we've heard from other states, where, oh, that'll never happen here. Yeah. When everybody got all wound up from 2009 on about the moratorium in California. Well, the crows have come home to roost. Well, they always say that. It's every state that there's gold except one. Can you name it? Actually, there's two. Starts with an A, ends with an A. And it's not a city. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that one. That's about the only one. Mm. There's a couple of others, maybe like Michigan or, you know, whatever. But well, I was thinking more of Nevada and uh, Colorado. Nevada, you, um, guess it's wide open as far yeah, as yeah, it is. It's like and, and everything. You go up to the BLM office, give them fifteen bucks and a permit application, and they give you yeah. a permit. I've studied so many different states trying to keep up with it. Another (laughs) one where I heard in 2013, as a matter of fact, was right when it began, when it got ugly in a little town, in a little state known as Tennessee. Because a couple of dredgers took it upon themselves to run a bunch of fishermen out of their favorite fishing hole and claim it as a mining claim. Okay? Now, here's where it's messed up on our side of the folks we do have people out there who don't know what the hell a mining claim is because if they did they wouldn't be standing in Tennessee saying they had one <laughs> they're east of the Mississippi there is no such thing as a mining claim yes there is in Louisiana ah there are BL there is BLM ground and claimable property in Louisiana one little problem I no don't gold. think there's much gold <laughs> or much of anything else other than swamp and gators. <laughs> so, the, but the point is, we have good and bad with everybody. You know, these these guys had no reason to do what they did in Tennessee. And I happened to show up about a month, not quite a month before it happened. So I was there for the whole story. And I got to see it happen. 
And I got to be the one to say to people, this is the beginning of the end. And they would say, oh, no, no, there's no problem here. We'll get it back because we have this lady that's working for the Forest Service in our corner, and she's right here in this part of the district, and she's got it all covered, and then she left. Then she retired. Then she left. Kathleen. That's all. We'll just say Kathleen. And Kathleen left. And now it's the exact same thing in Tennessee as it is in just about every other gold-bearing state, especially the Western 11. There's a couple left. Montana, I don't think, has too much regulation. Alabama doesn't have any regulation that I know of, unless they just started it since recently. Um, There's a few. Michigan, I would say, probably doesn't have a whole lot, unless it's like permits and stuff, because I know there's a... Uh, Gold Prospectors Association claim and a Lost Dutchman claim in Michigan. So I think the Michigan one's still open. But, uh, yeah, this, this whole thing with the dredging, and it I'm going to put it straight up. It doesn't have anything to do with people using a dredge to get gold out of a stream or a river or a lake or anything else. It doesn't even have anything to do with a bunch of fishermen being denied their right to fish. This is pure D politics and money. This is a large corporation-like group of people known as the Greenies. That's all we'll say. We won't name any certain groups tonight. But the Greenies are the ones who claim that the gold miners are polluting the stream because when they dredge, there's this awful brown liquid that comes off of the back of their sluice box and goes down the stream and could looks like it's nasty and could kill fish. Well, go over to my YouTube channel, World Expeditions on YouTube, and you can look in there and you're going to see multiple videos taken underwater at the end of a dredge nozzle with fish begging us to suck more dirt. Yeah, you stirring up the bottom, and that gives them uh, easy access to a food source. I swear to God, there was one in Tennessee in '13. This little sucker, it was. I'm thinking it was a trout, and he would he was going through the suck hose on purpose. <laughs> Either that, or there was a whole bunch of them doing it on purpose. I think it was only one, and he kept circling back. So anybody that talks about harming the wildlife in the water or the fish or the crabs or anything else, the crayfish or anything else in the water, no, it's not true. Yeah, that uh, trail of turpidity is just dirt. It's what we sucked up off the bottom minus the gold. Yeah. And minus a couple of other things that you don't really want in your drinking water, lead and mercury. That a gold miner's two favorite things to dig out of their sluice box that are pretty much worthless, unless you collect a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. There. Well, we know people that collect the mercury and. Well, any good gold miner, smart gold miner, carries his little bowel of mercury if you know yeah. how to use it safely. It's not recommended if you don't know what you're doing. No. You can poison yourself and kill about half your brain cells. And it causes a lot of. Uh, damage to your nervous system if you're not careful. And I noticed there's a lot of talk lately on 
the internet with all the different gold groups and all the new people that are out there, you know, doing their thing and, and saying, Hey, this is cool how we can do this. And we get the gold in this state and it's nice and pretty and yellow. And then we go over here to the West coast and we get in this gold and it's got mercury on it. Well, that's because the use of mercury was incredible in the late 1800s, early 1900s. To give you an example, on the Klamath, where we were, that entire river system in the part where we were, west of Interstate 5, had been completely bombarded with hydromining. Very large metal nozzles attached to very large water hoses and a large amount of water falling down a very long space vertical to make a lot of pressure and then blowed against the mountain to take the side of the mountain out. It's what you do when you're on a big river and you don't have any dynamite, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I kept thinking the whole time. All that work and all that trouble building them good big old water hoses and all that. The Remember the water wheel that was yeah. up on the mountain and all that? It's like, wow, why couldn't they just brought in some TNT? Well, it's probably... Oh, that's right. You can't wash it down with TNT. It just blows it up in the air. <laughs> well, not only that, I imagine that, uh, that there was a, maybe a supply problem, too. Yeah. But anyhow, the Klamath was completely inundated with uh, hydrogen mining going on in the early late 1800s, early 1900s, to the point where it, they caught, they created a 70-mile plume out in the Pacific Ocean, and that's when everybody finally started paying attention. Hey, wait a minute, maybe these guys shouldn't be muddying the river up quite this much. But at the same time, the gold that came out of that area because of all that mud is what helped to build this country. Right, and it's what made California what it is. Exactly. So... You think about all the large cities that uh, grew up around the northern area that probably wouldn't. Well, San Francisco would be there because it has the harbor, but there's other cities up there that you'd have probably never heard of. Well, San Francisco was the uh, end of everything that was transcontinental. The railroad, the highways, yeah. everything ended either in L.A. area or San Francisco area. And nothing yeah. at all ended in the L.A. area from across the desert, if I remember my history right, the first settlers of the L.A. area came down from the, down well, the coast to it, not across the desert to it. No, well, a lot of them... Because uh, they couldn't make it through the sand. ...would come up through Mexico because of crossing the deserts. They would come up along the coast. Well, they come in by boat, too. You remember the Yuma Desert? Yeah, I know. I mean, that's that's hundreds of... I guess hundreds of square miles of sand dunes, nothing but sand dunes. You ain't taking a horse and tree. No, you'd have, to, you'd have to stay out by the coast. You'd have to circle down. It'd be a long trip. Well, that's way why out way. things like the Oregon Trail and, uh, you know, the trails in the central part of the states going west were the most popular because of the hot weather in the south. And too cold in the north, you know, so kind of like dead center through the country worked until you got to the Rockies and then you know, <laughs> horse of a different color. Maybe a mule of a different color. It it definitely was. 
That's why they use mules and oxen instead of horses. Horses weren't up to the to the challenge. Well, you know, uh, you was talking there a little bit ago about big Bitcoin, and I did have one story on that for tonight. Even though that used to be our our other show, we kind of just put everything into one show because of what's going to be happening here in the very near future. We're going to get into that right before the top of the hour. But for right now, I'd like to put this one out there just because I called this one, and I'm pretty proud of myself for doing that. Dead coin walking, BitConnect set to be delisted from the very last crypto exchange. BitConnect BCC token is set to be delisted from the last cryptocurrency exchange that still traded it, meaning it's about to become a dead coin over a lack of liquidity. Surprisingly, the coin, the token, still has a market cap of over $6.6 million. Trade Satoshi a little-known cryptocurrency exchange with a daily trading volume of about $1.16 million, over 78% of which is focused on an ATC-BTC pair, announced its move via Twitter, adding that the delisting will take place on September 10th. For those out of the loop, BitConnect was a well-known cryptocurrency investing and lending platform widely believed to be a Ponzi scheme that saw investors pour in millions of dollars into its BCC token through the promise of extreme high returns. BitConnect collapsed in January of this year after it decided to shut down its cryptocurrency exchange and investing platform, citing bad press, distributed denial of service, DDoS, attacks, and regulatory scrutiny. The move came after it was hit with an emergency cease and desist from Texas securities regulators. After BitConnect collapsed, its BCC token almost immediately dropped over 90% of its value. In January, it dropped from a near all-time high, well over $400, to $7. It then made a dead cat bounce to about $70 before plummeting to its current 67 cents. Yes, I did say dead cat bounce. I've never seen a dead cat bounce. That's what it meant. <laughs> I mean, up from 7 to 70 and back to 67 cents, that's a dead cat bounce. <laughs> if I got to explain it, you wouldn't understand it. <laughs> and that goes out to our listeners. Well, I was going to say most people uh, don't deal a lot with that's dead. That's an investor. That's an investor term. Yeah. Carried over from stocks and so on. Back to the story. Disgruntled investors went after BitConnect as it was later on hit with a class action lawsuit brought forth by six investors whose losses of over $770,000. Later, on a second class action lawsuit followed with a U.S. court later freezing all of its assets. While BCC Token's 24-hour trading volume is now non-existent, Earlier this month, about $10,000 worth of the cryptocurrency were being traded on the Trade Satoshi Exchange on a daily basis. The volume likely plummeted because of the delisting announcement. As more details about BitConnect came to light, CNN reported that the scheme netted over $3 billion for its founders in India before collapsing. Ba-dum-bum. 
And that, my friends, is the re- one of the biggest reasons today that there's still people out there going, uh, Bitcoin, that's a ripoff, man. Bitcoin, <laughs> that's a Ponzi scheme, man. Bitcoin, that's a scam, man. Okay, let's get to the bottom of this right here now. Ponzi scheme. Just exactly what the hell is a Ponzi scheme anyway? Well, that's uh, like your – it's where the people at the bottom pay the people at the top. To stay in business. To stay in business. And you have to keep bringing in people at the bottom so you can keep paying the people at the top. And eventually you run out of people at the bottom – to pay the people at the top. Just ask uh, Bernie Madoff. Exactly. That was the purity as classic. It went as on it for Ponzi years scheme. and, and years. And this man, I, I, I applaud him because of that. What you just said. He went on for years and he had billionaires sucking what they thought was the biggest greed tit ever. Turns out they didn't have a clue what they was doing either, even though they were billionaires. <laughs> So, folks, my point is, it can happen to anybody. But here's my other point. Just because something claims to be a group of people trying to get a larger group of people together in order to help each other be successful and make money, that alone does not make it something a scam or a Ponzi scheme. And we're going to give you a whole bunch of examples of that coming up in the second hour. And... uh Oh, I guess we are almost there. You had something else you wanted to do this evening. Uh, I guess you would call them your Facebook follies. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we'll we'll probably start the second hour with that. We're going to try something new tonight, folks, because the second hour is dedicated to After Dark. And there's probably some people listening that are wondering just what the hell After Dark is or means. (laughs) We're going to give you a real good example tonight. You're going to go away after tonight's show. For those of you who listen to the whole thing, hint, hint, um, with a broader view of things in about the world around you, especially that little close part that's around you real close. I'm not giving up any more hints, so don't keep looking at it. I didn't say Play a word. Song. I didn't say a word. <laughs> And we'll be, and this is uh, Oro Expeditions After Dark, and we'll be right back.
That is the Black Crows, and she talks to angels. And this is Oro Expeditions After Dark on KDCL Media, the pride of Internet Radio for Deep Creek Lake, Garrett County, Maryland, and the world. And one thing you forgot at the beginning, and I did too, was there might be somebody out there wanting to call in. That'd be 845-277-9146. One more time. Get your ink pen ready. Now, 845-277-9146. Operators are standing by. Or go over to the show page at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash KDCL Media. Join us in live chat 
hang out, make up a really cool name, whatever you want to do. But I just got to thinking maybe I shouldn't say operators standing by because they might think we're uh, taking information or something. <laughs> credit no. card information. <laughs> uh, I got yeah, we want fifty dollars off your credit card. Have it ready. <laughs> I got enough of my own crap to take care of. I don't need somebody else's. That's right. But anyhow, you brought up something there right before we took the break, and you hit the nail right on the head because I've got a really cool idea for something brand new to try that should lead into how the majority of the next 55 minutes or so are going to go. And that is, I thought it would be cool to do take my Facebook page and your Facebook page and pick out a few things from timeline of things that we've shared with our friends and with the public. 90% of the time, whenever I share, it says public. Yeah. I'm not even sure what happens if you change it. So that's why <laughs> I usually don't. You know, And it could be that I'm keeping a lot of stuff from a lot of my friends doing it that way. But I know one thing's for sure. Whenever I change my profile picture or the header picture on my profile, there's a minimum of 50 likes in a matter of 72 hours or less. Yeah. That's really cool because that tells me that's the people that probably care about me the most because they take time to like something that I changed on my profile. You know, it's usually a picture of me or a picture of one of the animals or a picture of me and you or a picture of me and you and the animals or you your, get pick- your flowers. Flowers, yep. That's... That's one thing. Another thing, and it's something that I've been posting a lot lately because as I put on my flyers just a little while ago uh, on the comment of the newest addition to the side of the shed with (laughs) the shed-eating vines, as they've been called, (laughs) by somebody. (laughs) Um, That's for my dad. Because my dad loved morning glories. Those and hollyhocks was his two favorite flowers. And I can remember lots and lots of times sitting on the porch swing at different points in the summer, just like we did down here with the shed, except it was me and dad and grandma watching. And usually everybody else too, but sometimes just the three of us. And sitting and talking about the progression of the morning glory vines. It's new. (laughs) It was a subject of conversation just, you know, regularly on the back porch. So this is the first year, you know, we pulled around a little bit here with hollyhocks and that was his other favorite. But uh, this year, not only did I take some time to plant some morning glories but if you look just back below the flag against the tree there's another little bush another little vine system going there called moon glories um there's pictures i've shared of a volunteer concord grapevine which should yield some fantastic grapes about next year this time oh speaking of moon glories it's time for the meteor showers too they're going on the guy just posted them except we have clouds here so yeah we're clouded over but anyhow, 
my idea was to do somewhat of a Facebook timeline review of the last, some of our favorite posts that I've made and Miss Paula's made. And not necessarily ones that got a lot of comments or anything like that, but our favorites. This is for what we think is some of the ones that I got picked out are some things that were have to do with the after dark. <laughs> and here's a good example. I'm a wooden spoon, lead paint, no car seat, no bike helmet, bed of pickup riding, garden hose drinking survivor. Well, if you're over the age of 50, most people are. Post it. I don't know. Better to pick up. Can't say everybody over 50 been better to pick up. Uh, Garden hose drinking. Yep. Pretty close. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's the thing. We all survived all this stuff that today there's laws being written against. Uh, like, you can't ride a bicycle without a helmet. Who ever heard of such a thing? You're going fast enough on a bicycle to hurt your head when you fall off of it, then maybe you need a slower bicycle. <laughs> maybe slow down. Because them ones that take the word that you've got to put the funny hat on, those are called motorcycles, and they have an engine. Yeah, those aren't bicycles. That's how they go fast. You know, if you're going fast enough to hurt your head on a bicycle, slow down and forget the helmet. And knee pads and elbow pads. And now you're talking <laughs> about that other thing that's got them little bitty wheels on it called a skateboard. <laughs> Which I had my time on a skateboard back in the day when nobody even knew what a skateboard was. Yeah, that's true. And I did the, too. It was the birth of neoprene wheels. Yeah. I think I was in the fifth grade, sixth, something like that. Well, neoprene came along for roller skates first, and it wasn't really cool, clear-looking stuff. It was I never, like red or white or whatever, but it was neoprene rubber. As athletic as I was, I was never really good at that standing up and going down the hill thing. <laughs> you mean skiing? No, on a skateboard. Oh, skateboard. Ska- skiing I could do. Skateboard I sucked. I did pretty good with a skateboard, but Swanton wasn't the greatest place to try to ride a skateboard. No. Even after they put the new sidewalks in. But anyhow, um, <clears throat> another big post on mine. Did you have one? You, yeah. One you, go ahead. Jump right in. Well, <laughs> it is easy to sit back on a sofa and fill your face as the world around you goes to hell. And it's easy to criticize those that have chosen to have the courage to stand up, speak out, and warn the people. But it's not easy to stand up and say the hard things that need to be said in a society that does not want to listen. That's a good one, especially this day and age. Uh, I got this thing that says something about uh, Oro Expeditions After Dark with host Oro and Paula. Oh, wait a minute, that's this show. Twice even. I posted it twice. Should mean we should have twice as many people listen. But just below that, because I said one of the subjects covered on tonight's show, Oral Expeditions After Dark, check it out live at 9 p.m. Eastern, which is every Sunday night, folks. We're on live 9 p.m. Eastern for the foreseeable future. So 
be sure to check us out. If you're here listening to Archive, slip on over on Sunday night and check it out. By checking the next post and following the link, that's where I posted it. But the post that I put that on, cannabis is the safest medicine known to the human race. Cannabis prohibition is a crime against humanity. I thought Uh, that was profound. Yes, it is. Another one that's very profound. And this one might stir a few buckets the wrong way, but that's what we're here for. That's why they call it radio. The Prophet Muhammad had slaves. Robert E. Lee did not. Please tell me why you're tearing down statues instead of mosques. Because people were trying to whitewash history. They're also trying to whitewash something coming this way. A takeover. And There's only one ideology on the planet right now that I know of that has pinky in the brain syndrome. Yep. We're going to take over the world no matter what it takes. From the inside. From the inside out. And they're doing a great job. They're doing a bang-up job. Because there's about a 50-50 chance that we got one just about like the one in New Mexico about 25, 30 miles from here. I won't bother naming the spot or even the area, but it's been said that there's a whole lot of presence over there of a horse of a different color. That's how I'm doing that so nobody can say I'm not being PC. Yeah. <laughs> or racist. You know, that big R word that's out there these days. You know, if you're white and a male, you're guaranteed that you're a racist. So you don't need to bother opening your mouth and defending yourself. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Well, these days, if you're white and you're male, you, if you look at somebody, you, you can't you can't win. <laughs> if you look at somebody and blink your left eye instead of your right eye, you're a racist. If you take off walking and use your right foot instead of your left foot first, you're a racist. I mean, that's how crazy it's gotten. Those two things there sound really stupid, right? But that's how crazy it's got. That's how stupid it's got. White males are. The minority in a lot of different ways in this Are country. you an endangered species? Not me. Do, do we m- need to make word a... endangered with me because <laughs> you know they broke the mold after me. They ain't no more <laughs> me. Does that mean we need to make a special preserve somewhere for yeah, another called, endangered species? St. Vincent the Grenadines. I already got it picked out. It's about a 20-acre island with a freshwater spring and a bamboo hut with a lot of seafood. That's my reserve. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go extinct. You're right. <laughs> It'll be a few more years, though. Trust me. One small positive thought in the morning can change your whole day. That's exactly right. Nailed it. You know that hemp takes 90 days to grow, and trees take 15 years or more to grow? You realize that the U.S. government didn't ban hemp in 1937? That right now we'd be living in bug-resistant, fireproof homes made of hemp creek. I like that. Remember the old movie Up in Smoke? Yep. Everybody thought that was all fantasy and science fiction, a little band they drove that was made out of marijuana? Yeah. Uh-uh. Not only was it being able to be done back then when that movie was made, but it's even more prominent today. 
hemp has is showing up in places you wouldn't have a clue before and it's getting better every day and you know people say oh my god but if you give all the farmers hemp you put out you put all the loggers out of business you put all the timber people out of business you put all the lumber mills out of business so what we've cut down enough damn trees I think it's about time we cut down a tree because we want to cut it down to get it out of the way of something. Or we cut it down because it's the only one on a piece of property, maybe, and it would look better if only it was no trees instead of one tree. You know, those kind of reasons for cutting down a tree. That's the kind of reasons I'd like to see instead of the reason of seeing how many millions of yards worth of worthless fucking paper we can make or how many billboards we can hang up in the air that nobody bothers looking at anymore because of the Internet. What's your paper peeve? You got a paper peeve? I don't use much paper anymore, so. That's an even better reason to use him. Nobody's using it anymore. Quit tearing trees down to make paper. And I'm not, a, by any stretch of the imagination, a tree hugger. I'm a gold miner. I suck dirt off the bottom of the creek. So, you know, don't give me any of that tree hugger crap. The fact is, we need to stop cutting them down. And if you need an example of why, just remember back at the beginning of the show when I talked about the Yuma Desert and all those big sand dunes. Okay? And there was this little thing called the Dust Bowl not long ago in this country. In Oklahoma. And it was caused because everybody cut all the trees down. Or that was part of the reason. Yeah. They that had to make is. fields. They had to make million-acre fields. To grow millions of acres of crops, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Now there's a lot of people in those areas that wish there was a tree or two. And there could have been, had the farmers been growing one of their fields full of hemp. And then we could be saying, okay, we'll, we'll take this nice little select cut of hardwood trees over here and mix it with the hemp to make some outstanding paper. Or... Better yet, we can just use hemp alone. But, you know, I'm willing to compromise. I know there's people that work in the lumber industry, millions of them, you know, trucking, pulling logs and the whole thing. You're not going to shut something like that down. That's kind of like saying you're going to shut down Bitcoin. It ain't going to happen. It's too far into it. It's too far progressed. Okay? But we can learn to get along and compromise and figure out more things to do with, say, all the dead trees that need cut, millions of acres of them, and leave the live ones alone for a little while. Yeah, we've got a lot of dead standing trees around. Because when you cut a hardwood, it ain't like, you know, the pine tree little sprout that people run around and shove in the ground, and you go back 10 or 12 years later, and you can sit under it and lean up against the trunk on it. That's a pine tree. That's not an oak or a hickory or one of those hardwoods, maples, all of those pretty woods that everybody likes their furniture made out of and so on and so forth. They're paneling and and they're pretty homes that they build out of it. It's all hardwood. The good news for the trees, we can make all that stuff and make it look just like that log that came out of the forest that beautiful maple log that you want a fireplace mantle made out of because of today's technology and the magic of hemp 
We can make the exact same mantelpiece look the exact same way, and there ain't one stick of wood in it. You can make just about anything out of hemp. If you can make it with plastic, you can make it with hemp. And now, don't get me started on the plastic and the outlaw straws and all that crap. <laughs> From Healing Crystals. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. I, that's that's my motto. I try a little bit every day. Tomorrow is, you know, it's a great day. But you remember um little guy with a black cape named Batman, right? Yeah, we were talking about Batman a while ago. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't talk about the Joker, right? No. We didn't. No, the Riddler. Not the Joker, the Riddler. The Riddler. Riddle me this. What is it that is always coming your way, but never arrives? I don't know. What is always coming my way, but never arrives? Tomorrow. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) Riddle me this. But did you know... This uh, this whole thing in the desert out here in New Mexico, I want to hit on this just for a second because this is something that I called quite a few years ago. Even before all the stuff that happened that's been happening in Europe and the takeover basically of the European nation by thing in the New Mexican desert because of the mass media's coverage of it, all but Fox tried to sweep it under the rug with either very little or no coverage. Only Fox did their homework and found out that it had to do with extreme uh, Muslim extremists. Not just any Muslim extremist, have you know, have you know, but the son of the man who says he is going to turn the United States into his own personal caliphate. This guy has been on Fox News. He's been on the other news channels. He's been on places like The View and every place else. And every single time, the old man, the daddy, gets out of control preaching caliphate. And now, his adult son seems that he's taken it to a whole new level. He's not just preaching caliphate. He's kidnapping children, taking them to a desert compound, and training them to be School shooters. Let me remind everybody of something. What's one little thing that's usually said nine times out of ten when somebody shoots a large group of people? And I'm not talking about just school kids either. I'm talking about any mass shooting. What's the first thing that's always said? I had no clue he could do that. He's such a nice person. He's this. She's that. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. You get the picture, right? No. Why are so many of them being that are saying that about him? The guy that shot all them people in Las Vegas from the motel, from the hotel room. I'm not even sure that even he did it or possibly somebody else was in the room and did it. I mean, you want to put on a tinfoil hat and go conspiracy 101 here, that's it. Because 
well, they didn't come out and said that they have no clue why he did what he did. And the cops, you know, there's no way they've given up on trying to tell if there's other people in the room. It all got kind of just whitewashed like a fence. Okay? Now, I've watched video of that particular incident of people walking on a street beside where the venue was in between the venue and the mo- the hotel. And this woman, her video, I don't even know if you can still find it or not, but on her video, she's walking on the sidewalk directly under the windows of where the fires, the shots are coming from. You remember how far up on the building those shots uh, supposedly came from? Yeah. Pretty close to top. Yeah. This woman had a video of the exact, the exact same muzzle flashes, not reflections like some tried to say, but real. Anybody who's seen a muzzle flash in the dark knows what a muzzle flash looks like, even from a distance. Okay? It's not something you can fake. And this woman had a video with muzzle flashes coming from a third floor window directly in line over the trees and over the drive up around the hotel directly into the concert venue. Like I said, I haven't had any reason to look it up lately, but it's probably not where you can find it. But anyway, back to this guy in the desert. There's a picture on my Facebook page. If you go check it out at Orocast on Facebook, it says, if this had been an NRA member, you would still have, 24-7 live coverage complete with child psychologists discussing the emotional damage. Now, what that's referring to is the fact that this gentleman I just referred to a few minutes ago, who is the son of the most radical Muslim in the country today, professional Muslim. Yeah, he's an imam. Imam, and this is his son. And this is the one that built the deal in the New Mexico desert. And then how to finish the Mimi is, but since he's only an Islamic terrorist who's run a terror training camp in New Mexico, teaching little kids how to shoot our kids in our schools, the main media is very, very quiet. Yeah. I think it's about time the general public demands a little bit better of our media. Well, they're too busy with their latest episode of Trump derangement syndrome. Careful now, you're going to go off the rail over there. <laughs> I'm the one supposed to be going over off the rail. That's, you're supposed to be pulling me back. My goal this weekend was to move just enough to make sure nobody thinks I'm dead. <laughs> and it's a picture of Kermit on his bed. Uh, human trafficking facts. 800,000 children go missing every year in the United States. Every 30 seconds, another person becomes a victim of human trafficking. 50% of human trafficking victims are children. 80% are female. The average lifespan of a human trafficking victim once they are enslaved is seven years. Minneapolis is ranked number two in a nation for online solicitation and recruitment of minors. Fishing opener and hunting opener are two human trafficking events in Minnesota. During ice fishing, victims are bought and sold in ice houses on area lakes such as Milox. I wonder what else went on in them houses. 
In Duluth, victims are bound and put in crates and loaded as cargo on ships. Human trafficking is happening in towns and cities in all 50 states. The Super Bowl is the largest human trafficking event in the United States. Human trafficking is the second largest criminal industry generating $32 billion in profit every year. St. Cloud is now the largest trafficking training hub in Minnesota. On May 29, 2015, nine men were arrested in Baxter, Minnesota for solicitation of a minor. The men ranged in age from 27 to 71. Keep your children close, always, everywhere. You bet you. And moving on to uh, a topic near and dear to my heart, and it has been since the day the boy was murdered by the FBI. Um, I want to cover a post here by Deb Jordan. Anybody who's not familiar with the LaBoy case, you really should get familiar. This man died for every single person who calls themselves a United States citizen. This man, as far as I'm concerned, is the bravest person I've ever known. So if you're not sure who LaBoy Fenicum is or was, you really should take time to learn. Because as you're learning about Mr. Fenicum, you're going to also learn about a guy named Joe Astorita. I'm going to share this from August 10th. A couple of days ago, Deb Jordan posted in, uh, uh, I posted it, cross-posted it, and I lost where it was. But it's on one of the boys' pages. And the post says, I think... We can all agree that we are disappointed in the verdict for FBI agent Joe Astorita, but wow, what a blessing that trial has been. Now, let me stop there and put a little extra side note here. Joe Astorita went on trial for three charges. He was found not guilty of all three. Hmm. Joe Astorita is the man I personally saw on a police drone video shoot into the vehicle that LaVoy Fenneken was driving into a snowbank. And I know for a fact by watching that video, in my personal opinion, those shots were fired into that vehicle in order to cause a armed reaction. Yeah. They figured that everybody was armed. And there were there were armament in the vehicle, but they weren't within reach. And LaBoy did not have a pistol under his coat, as said. LaBoy wore a sidearm, cowboy style. Yeah. He had one that he, he could wear under the coat, but it wasn't with them on that day, as far as my understanding. So, Mr. Astorita by the command of somebody else. I don't think he did it on his own. So we haven't even figured out if who commanded him, whose boss was that told him to do it and why. But he sunk two bullets into LaVoy's pickup immediately after it plowed into the snowbank at a dead man's roadblock. So that's why this man was on trial basically for the murder 
a conspiracy to murder LeBoy Fenneken and has been found not guilty on all charges. And the entire United States of America who gives a shit about this country should be screaming, why? How did this happen? How did this man who was proven on a police drone video to have done this deed found not guilty on every count? Well, let's go on with Deb Jordan's post here because she said that it was actually a blessing. I've seen many folks saying that the government investigated itself and found itself not guilty. But that reality but is that reality true? No, it is not. A jury found him not guilty. The government actually believed Astorita was guilty, convened a grand jury. That grand jury agreed and indicted, and then the U.S. government put Astorita on trial. For almost two years, they held Astorita accountable for what he did and put one of their own on trial. And that is just amazing. Pointing as the verdict is, just think of all the information Jeanette Finnicum took away from this. She now can actually put a name to the person who killed her husband. She knows how it was done and what they were thinking when they did it. The mistakes they made and which officers are best to subpoena when her case goes to trial. We learned so much. Just because the jury found him not guilty does not mean he did not do it. It means that somewhere along the way, the jury felt there was enough reasonable doubt to not convict. And as hard as it was, we must respect that decision. Joe Astorita's reputation will be forever marred with distrust and disrespect. Of course, there will always be those in his ranks who give him a pat on the back and say good job. But they all know, just like we all know, Astorita is guilty as sin. It is my prayer that Janine, Jeanette Finnicum and her attorneys took enough away from this, as hard as it was, to help them win that wrongful death lawsuit and then some. As for Joe Astorita and all those involved or concerned, in the end, they will have to answer to a much higher authority than a jury or, or you and I. The boy Finnicum will get justice. It's just a matter of time. Judas thought he got away with it, too. Enough said. That's it. There's not a lot of the hour action and um still a couple of topics on the list here so far we got left to cover. You gonna make it through the whole list tonight? Uh, no, no, we're do, we're about done with the Facebook rant because 'cause I'm down about all I got left is my little Mimi about the football thing. I could tell the blonde joke at the Super Bowl, but yeah. Uh, hey, I gave you a choice. Dear NFL, the easiest decision we will ever make is choosing our veterans, service member flag, and national anthem over millionaire football players. Who wins a football game has capital letters zero impact on our lives. Who stands up for our country has the, capital letters, ultimate impact on our lives. Signed, We the People. 
F. Yep. Actually, you know me. I've already said that about all of them. Yeah. I never did much basketball, baseball, and all that, but uh, my list was football, NASCAR, wrestling, and a few others that are all. Now, wrestling doesn't really fit in the rest, in the category of high-paid sports sissies, okay? Because that's rest, that's sports entertainment. <laughs> and I do have a lot of respect for those guys because if you notice when you watch WrestleMania, you don't hear the national anthem. No, you hear Never God. Have. God bless America or America no. the beautiful. America the beautiful, which is what some think our national anthem should be changed into. But I disagree with that because our national anthem is exactly what it should be in order to remind us of our history. Well, everybody wants to erase our history. Yeah, that's like a, by changing building names and tearing down statues. And hey, where's that Mimi I had? Oh yeah, I've already read it. Yes, they say people who forget their history are bound to repeat it. Yeah, are doomed to repeat it. Eight things to remember. We'll leave you with this little tidbit, and then I'm going to move on to another subject that we want to cover just before we take off here tonight. Eight things to remember when going through tough times. Everything can and will change. Number two, you've overcome challenges before. Number three, it's a learning experience. Number four, not getting what you want can really be a blessing. Number five, allow yourself to have fun. Number six, being kind to yourself is always the best medicine. Number seven, other people's negativity isn't worth worrying about. And last but not least, there's always, always, always something to be thankful for. Yes. And just to throw in a little note of humor from Monroe County Sheriff's Department in Rochester, New York. We have been made aware of multiple coyote sightings within Monroe County. Typically, coyotes are nocturnal, but it is not uncommon to see them during the day. Merely seeing one is not reason to call 911. However, there, <laughs> however, there are certain behaviors that are cause for alarm. Specifically, coyotes carrying any product marked Acme. <laughs> coyotes dropping anvils from hot air balloons. Coyotes posting signs such as detour or free birdseed. Coyote in possession of a giant magnet. Coyote in possession of a catapult. Coyote detonating TNT or a coyote on roller skates with rockets attached. Please call 911 immediately if you witness any of the above behavior. <laughs> That's good. But, and one other thing to add to that. Do you know that Disney actually back in the day, or Mel Blanc, I guess his name is. Yeah, he did all or, the voices. He wrote No, whoever wrote him. The cartoons. Yeah, they had different writers. The writers, yeah, the different writers. They were geniuses because if you look back now, what they were doing, they were poking fun. They 
were just having fun with something that would normally be in everyday life, like a coyote and a road run, and a road runner. Yeah. Okay. How do I know they were poking fun? Because I hate to blow it for all you Roadrunner fans out there, but a Roadrunner can run 17 miles an hour. A Coyote, 40. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do the math. That's all I'll say. I ain't gonna blow your fuck. I ain't gonna blow your Saturday morning. I'll just say do the math. <laughs> well, Rocky and Bullwinkle was my favorite, but Natasha and. And they were political before being Boris political. And yeah. Boris and Natasha. And Sherman and Peabody. <laughs> and Popeye. And Moose and Squirrel. <laughs> I love Popeye. I was a Popeye fan. Good. Mr. Uh, that, that ship on one bicep and the anchor on the other bicep. Usually sawed the top off his stench can with his pipe. Yeah. Like a blowtorch. Well, it flip upside down. Didn't matter what kind of bind he was in, he could get that spinach in that bottom lip. Mr. Magoo and the Pink Panther. Oh yeah. Pink Panther man rocked. It rocked so much they made movies of it that were totally hilarious. <laughs> With uh Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, yeah. The original Pink Panther. Yeah. But all that reminiscing. Also, we got to reminisce a little bit about the 90s and something else we learned back then. And we've mentioned it a few times on the air. And we just saved a little bit of time tonight to mention it. But it's actually probably the biggest topic we have to talk about, other than the fact that we're about to get in a 38-foot motorhome and go gold mining. Which, that's what the beginning of the show is about. (laughs) The other thing we're going to be doing in that motorhome while we're out on the road is... Marketing, and you want to you wonder how can we combine gold mining and marketing? Well, that's easy. We've come across a few companies in the past few months that have outstanding products, outstanding information, a fantastic marketing program. When I say marketing program, yes, I mean affiliate marketing. That's what they call it today. As I've said in other shows, it used to be known as multi-level marketing. And then it and then came along network marketing. Now it's affiliate marketing. What I like to call it is people helping people to be successful. You don't want to have to it, – it isn't a matter of wanting to be rich. If you decide you want to market some products, that doesn't mean you're greedy and you want to be rich. And I've heard that. I've had people my I've had my family tell me that that that's the reason I was always trying to sell them something. <laughs> How about I'm I'm, try, I'm trying to sell you something because it's a good product that might help you some and I care and love I love you and I care about you. You know, in the past, I got a lot of sour grapes I could stomp on about that. But instead of that, We're moving forward here because we have found some fantastic stuff. Yes, we have. Um, One of them being uh, CBD oil products. That's the number one thing on our list right now besides your big P. Yes, uh, and these are made by CTFO. uh, What's CTFO stand for? Change the future outcome. 
You still haven't figured or remembered that, so. <laughs> Actually, I did. I just was trying to do the far away voice. Yeah, and you can find uh, uh, the uh, website over on uh, Orocast Crypto World and click on the CTFO page. OrocastCryptoWorld.com. Uh, yeah, dot .com. Forgot that part. Yeah, and dot .net and want to know where the hell we're at. <laughs> And another product that we just recently got, well, I say we, me. We. 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 It's a team effort, baby. Oh, that's true. I told you when we're doing the marketing, we're doing it together. We succeed together. We help other people together. Um, is Plexus. That's worldwide there. That's a big one. Yeah. And very successful company with very successful, very, as far as I can tell, all of their products are five star. Yeah, and uh, we were introduced to uh, Plexus by a good friend of ours, Deanna Poland, and she's probably up there in the uh, ranks, pretty good by now. Yeah, right? I'm sure she kind is. Of director or something. Uh, one of those jewels that they talk about. Um, see, that's let me explain that right there because you joined Plexus, probably number one. For you and the products. For the product, yes. I'm extremely happy that you joined Plexus, and I'm looking forward to helping you with the marketing. There's a couple of the products that are great for men, including the pink drink. Um, it is true that a lot, some of their stuff is about weight loss, but it's not all about weight loss. No, okay. there's also nutrition and uh, body care. Body care, so on and so forth. And my the the point I was getting at is, I could be saying, "Oh, that's your product," and I'm going to do this, and this was my product. But the fact is, if you're trying to build a group of people, whenever I say build a group of people, I mean build the, you know, wiggling fingers in air matrix. Ooh, the uh, <laughs> god awful matrix. You know, people think of that. I guess they think of the movie and the green pill and the blue pill and the red pill and the purple pill and <laughs> all them pills and they forget that we're marketing health stuff. It's not pills. pills. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. Some of it's pills. Imagine that. But back to the other one that you were talking about, the CTFO. I am a user and a believer because I suffer from what is it? Now we're up to three different types of arthritis. Two or three. Stenosis, osteoarthritis, bone spurs. Um, Discs in my back that are, there's a couple of them that are completely done. There's two or three that are on their way to being done. And there's a couple of doctors running around that are doing two things. A, trying to figure out how I'm still able to walk. And B, wondering why I'm not coming through the door getting under their knife. Okay? Now, with all of that in mind, just imagine a night of sleep for me. It's almost non-existent before CTFO. Um, two bad shoulders, bad neck, bad back. I mean, we, we can make bad a bigger knees. list. That's good enough. <laughs> that gives you the picture. And whenever we got this, I've been I had been watching the, the whole thing about CTFO because we were on a little thing called a rotator, a traffic rotator. 
That's something that marketers use in order to get their ads out, to bet their little banners or their text ads or whatever. And in order to make points on this rotator, you have to look at other people's ads for 10 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever. And that's how I saw the ad for CTFO. And it was hemp oil or CBD oil based in hemp. And it's all, you know, basically laboratory type grown and controlled and so on and so forth. So it's pure, 100% pure. And my testimony was plain and simple. Before CBD oil, and I, and by the way, I am somebody who does partake in medical cannabis, which does real good on putting an edge on it, kind of like taking an aspirin for your headache, but eventually the headache comes back, and that uh, stuff coming back is usually in the middle of the night waking me up. So I would get, on average, four to five hours a night, and a minimum of being awake at least twice sometimes upwards of four or five times within the four or five hours. Post-CTFO and hemp oil, CBD oil, where you take 20 drops under your tongue upwards of twice a day if you want to. And they also have been wise enough to make different strengths of the oil. You can get one that's very weak in CBD, which is good for somebody who's never had it before, it's also good for your pets. Yes, CBD oil works great for pets too. Um, I decided when I ordered it because of being a cannabis user that the 750, which is the next to the highest dosage, would be the best. So that's what I ordered. I ordered three bottles, and we ordered a pouch with some dog chews in it, pet chews that are CBD oil-based, and we can... We can already see a difference in Hard Rock because he had a bad bad back leg and he does less limping. He's doesn't seem to be in as much pain and so on. But as far as I'm concerned, turning four and a half or five hours with multiple times waking up into seven hours uninterrupted sleep. Yeah. I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> I'll go to the grave saying that. I don't care. They, You can tell them I said that, and they can raise the price of it right now. I'll pay whatever it takes to be sure we never run out of CTFO peppermint-flavored CBD oil for pain. Yeah. Now, what do I mean by that when I say for pain? Well, it helps you control your pain. It helps. Uh, uh, I mean, what's the other stuff they got? Oh, yeah. oh, the other. Uh, pain is one of uh, yeah. Pain. One of many that they have. Pain relief is one thing. Uh, as you say, the pet products. They also have skin products, uh, anti-aging, and things like that. Um, and they also have um, weight management, which I'm. That's one of the reasons I'm interested in Plexus. So I'm not going to mix the two together so I can see where. If well, actually, you're going to be mixing the two together because they they should complement each other. Well, yeah, they should. And uh, now I have to say I have uh, had less 
Um, I don't know about the sleeping part, but I have uh, less pain in my shoulders. I have bad rotator cuffs in both shoulders. I got a Mimi for that. There's a Mimi for that? There's a Mimi for that. I don't feel like I'm getting older. It's more like my warranty expired and my parts are wearing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I, I don't. For that. I don't. Getting old doesn't bother me, or getting older doesn't no, bother me. Not a bit. Um, I'm enjoying it with you. It's it's like you said, it's the breaking down of the body part. <laughs> well, tonight's been fun. We did it a little bit different tonight because things are about to do a big switcheroo here. We're about to go take this whole thing and go on the road. Now, the rest of 18 is going to be uh, kind of what you might call meter, a metered expedition where we're going to do... <laughs> probably a couple of short trips to start off with. And this is all for personal reasons, which we won't bother discussing. But the fact is, we're going to be doing it in style because of a little something that we fondly refer to as the big nugget buggy. Yeah. We used to just have the nugget buggy, which was a beautiful little dark red Dodge Nitro. That we have spent many a night sleeping in. Yes. In, on, around, under. <laughs> um, the seats laying down. The 250,000 miles since 2008. Just go figure. Do Put your calculator on that one and you'll see what kind of adventure it really has been. But Big Nugget Buggy is on the scene, which means Little Nugget Buggy gets a break. He gets to be towed up and down the road for a while. And Big Nugget Buggy happens to be a 38-foot Fleetwood Southwind with all the whistles and bells. When this puppy was brand new, somebody paid a large dime for it. Yeah. Because it was top of the line in its day, 1996. So, uh uh-oh. Somebody's coming up the steps. I hear high heels. (laughs) That must be, can only be one person. Rosalie, next Sunday night, folks, 9 p.m. Eastern. Join us for more Oral Expeditions After Dark.
Take me to Ooh. 